0: Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this weekend's UFC card. Here are your hosts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co host, as always, Connor Rebush. We are here once again talking about this week's UFC event going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. Headlined by a bantamweight top contenders bout between Corey Sandhagen and Song Dong. Right now we're talking about the prelim card with a featured prelim bout between Damon Jackson and Pat Sabatini. And yeah, collection of prelims that just like the main card, they look pretty good to me.
2: Mm-hmm, you know, not bad. Hard to complain. Yeah, it's a fight night.
1: Even the low, even the lower caliber fights should still
2: be fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have every reason to think this is going to be a top-to-bottom quite an entertaining card.
1: Yep. And Jackson Sabatini, uh, that looks like an absolute thrill to me because you know that that fight is going to be all about the scrambling.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I also feel that it's it's kind of hard not to pick one of the fighters. Yeah, I mean, it Matt is. That Sabatini is a really good grappler. He is. He His is positional fan. grappling is phenomenal. Damon Jackson wins a scramble and then another scramble happens. Mm-hmm. Pat Sabatini wins a scramble and then it's three and a half minutes and he's on your back the whole time. That's true. Um, so, you know, it, uh, I, I think ultimately, while I think the scrambles are going to be awesome and Damon Jackson is a kind of guy you cannot count out of the fight at any point, I've yet to see Sabatini in a fight kind of lose sight of what he's good at. And that has happened against a variety of also very good, strong wrestlers.
1: It should be noted. Really should be noted that. Damon Jackson has only lost to four people mm-hmm. in his career. Although actually I think you may have lost to honey Jason as well. And that
2: got overturned later. Okay. Um, but they don't typically out him. Yeah, it's he got,
1: you know, there was Yancey Medeiros, the welterweight sized lightweight when mm-hmm. uh, Jackson first got to the UFC and got a bulldog choke on him. And then there's Kevin Al- Aguilar who knocked him out. Movid Kavalaev who, who knocked him out in the first in, you know, early in the first round. And then Ilya Topuria who slugged it out with him too. Yeah, and knocked him out. Mm hmm. And
2: there's no doubt that Sabatini's route to victory is not the one that has proven to work very well against Damon Jackson. Yeah. Uh, But there's also not a lot of evidence of Damon Jackson, like. Beating grapplers of, you know, beating Charles Rosa on the ground is one thing.
1: Yeah. No. Like he did beat Tucker Lutz is a pretty good wrestler. All Mm -hmm. things considered. Sure.
2: Oh, wait, no, that's. That's, Sabatini. that's that's Sabatini. He beat Beckditch, but Beckditch is a yeah. guy who you know we his problems are well understood.
1: Yeah, that that's all about the pressure and the the grind.
2: Yeah. Somebody yeah. who will break down, and that's the thing. A Sabatini has been a grappling decision machine. Yeah, who just uh yeah I have, and the thing is with Damon Jackson is I mean it would be actually interesting if if Jackson were to really like focus his scrambling on just not letting Sabatini control him as much as he can yeah. and getting back to a, what I'm sure would be a horribly messy fight of the feet, but certainly an aggressive one where he, he is kind of dangerous. I mean, that's the kind of the fascinating thing to me about this too, Mm -hmm. is that
1: both Sabatini and Jackson can crack a little standing. Mm -hmm. Jackson can probably hit a little harder and a little cleaner, Mostly because he fights with so much pent-up rage. Like I, 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 th- I always the, the thing I always associate with Jackson first and foremost is this is a man who fights really angry, mm-hmm. and so he throws himself into his opponent when he strikes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Sabatini, he strikes nervous. You know. Yeah. Neither of these guys is actually a good striker and both of them can get absolutely lit up. hundred percent. hundred percent. The the few moments that Jackson let Daniel Argueta have on the feet that like that fight was standing, Argueta started piecing him up.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, you look at the end of that fight and like Jackson's the one with like the big swollen eye Mm -hmm. for a fight that he spent all of like a minute and a half out of 15 standing
2: he's incredibly hittable and cumbersome and slow and
1: yeah and he, he's aggressive about it all he's he's yeah. you know he he has an aggression that he pushes forward at all times so he's walking himself into shots yeah and Sabatini
2: is not he's just kind of awkward he's no no he's as, his striking issues are just sort of awkwardness and it's yeah. very clearly not his A game
1: it's very clearly not his A-game. And so if this fight does get on the feet, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Cause yeah, yeah. It'll be a bit messy, and both guys have you know, the ability to hit hard, but neither guy really wants to be standing. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's kind of interesting is that because Sabatini is such an offensively focused uh, position grappler, mm-hmm. he can get taken down. Yeah, yeah. Like, he can get caught off guard just because he, you know, I guess maybe it's just because any time the, the fight gets to the ground, he assumes
2: that he will have control of it. Yeah. So he doesn't really care how it gets there. I think he's, he's, it's it's sort of the, um, the, the, the grappler's version of, I mean, it's like, you know, you could say like Charles Oliveira or Carlos Condit, like the guys who just throw kicks and do everything because they don't care if they get taken down. Mm-hmm. Sabatini, it's like, the same dynamic, except the thing he's focused on doing is hitting his own takedowns. I just don't think he's concerned enough about what might happen with good reason. I mean, based on what has yeah. happened when he's got taken down, he's he's not concerned enough with that happening that he spends a lot of time thinking about it. Yeah. It he's is, offensively focused.
1: It is an interesting to note, though. He, ha- he has lost a couple of close decisions, you know, over yeah. his career. Mm hmm. Um, I got to pick Sabatini just because the power and the dynamic, the physical uh, dynamism is on his Mm -hmm. side. Like if one of these two is going to be hitting a takedown, as you say, if one of these two is going to be hitting a takedown where they keep position, it's going to be Sabatini. Sabatini can hit a blast double. Jackson can go out there and grab a single leg or a double leg and just kind of drag his opponent into the mud with him. Yeah where they'll scramble and he might win the scramble and he might not. Um, so I got to pick Sabatini as well, but I'm fascinated to see the fight. Like I, as I say, this isn't how, if if Sabatini can lock, uh, Jackson down and just beat him positionally, that is not how Damon Jackson loses.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of fights like this on this card. I mean, yeah. Filialgio. um, Bozer Nascimento Hernandez Barrio. There are a lot of these fights where you you just kind of got to default to picking a guy who seems to have a clear advantage, but you know it's going to be competitive and interesting.
1: Yeah, so I like yeah. this fight. Jackson is one of he is one of MMA's true overachievers. Absolutely. You know? Like you you watch him fight in any one fight, and you're like, yeah, hey, this guy's kind of like he's not very athletic. Yep. He doesn't control anything. He's not like. He's not the most potent fighter out there, the best finisher, or anything. And then you go back and you look at his record and you realize just how much it all works out for him.
2: Yeah, he's a little like Julian Arosa.
1: Yeah, he is.
2: Just like no, no, no single fight or and even, uh, I mean, I guess that last one. That's every once in a while these guys are going to turn in a comprehensively solid performance. But yeah, especially even within those fights, no single moment are you going to be blown away. But yeah you can't deny that they're consistently good
1: yeah like i remember going in that jackson was like a huge favorite over argueta in that last fight and we were both like you don't make damon jackson like a minus 500
2: favorite right
1: you know like he's just not the guy you you can look at his record all you want it's great but then you get in the fight and you see him controlling this dude and then every time it's on their feet and he's getting lit up and you're like (laughs) oh my god is he about to get knocked out
2: yeah, the fight looked like not a fun, minus 500 favorite, Yeah, but it was still a fight where... But,
1: but then you have to go back again and look at his record and just be like, he de- he never loses,
2: Yeah, you know? He
1: rarely ever loses, so... Yeah,
2: and it's exclusively dudes who just blast him, which Sabatini yeah. can't do.
1: Yep, so I'm fascinated to see this
2: fight because
1: I have the faith that Sabatini can beat Jackson in a way that he's never been beat before, but it'll be fascinating to see it happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm with you.
1: All right. Uh, Jackson is the, the underdog here. Opened at plus 190. is currently out at plus 159. Sabatini opened at minus 225. Currently minus 194. I like it. I like where these odds are. I like them getting a little tighter. I think this could be a very sticky fight. And, um, you know, it could be the kind of fight, too, where we're arguing that, oh, yeah, Jackson hit, like, a flying knee and a really hard hook. And then there was a big scramble and then he got held down for a minute. Mm-hmm. And how do you want to score that? Mm-hmm. You know. So we'll see. All right. That brings us to a welterweight bout Trevin
2: Giles. Lewis Kosie, is it actually Lad McMahon next?
1: Oh no, yeah, that's right, that's right. This is the one I was I was prepping all the time to <laughs> remember the order, and then we got here and I just forgot. Okay, it's Ladd- the
2: one difference on the topology lineup.
1: Yeah, we're getting we're on Lad McMahon right now, and um, man, when stoppable force meets movable object, McMahon, McMahon, yeah,
2: like. <laughs> Just just the meme of the horse looking out at the sea. McMahon. <laughs> don't even
1: know what you're talking about.
2: What? The no. horse looking at the sea? And no. It just
1: says man. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> Come
1: on, same. I don't know this. I don't know. This, this is too old, young for me. He's an old man. Yeah. All right. Lad McMahon. Um an old McMahon. Yeah. This is this is unstoppable force. <laughs> God damn it. This is a dumb fight. Um
2: <laughs> that's why I'm being so dumb about it.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Lad is in a crisis point and I don't know how she gets out of it because mm-hmm. she's kind of It seems she's roped herself into this training relationship with her, you know, long-term boyfriend coach. Yep. And uh, if the results of all the years that they've spent together, considering he's coached her for her entire pro career, I'm pretty sure. Yep. If those results are anything to go by, he's not a very good coach. Yeah. Either that, or McMahon is a terrible, stu- or uh, or Lad is a terrible student.
2: Yeah, and and you got to assume the former, uh, yeah. you know, against any other obvious evidence, because Lad is clearly a super hard worker. Yeah, she's in great shape. She's she tough, she tough. has diligently tried to make changes and improvements. Yep. Uh, and you got to assume this is a problem we see so often, and unfortunately, way more often, way more often with female fighters. Is that like? Is a coach fighter relationship, a personal one. Absolutely. It's a mentorship. It can be a lot like, you know, father and child or mother and child. In certain cases, you got it. People like Ann Wolf out there.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but it is also a professional relationship and sometimes to improve, you need to make a change. And when you have a situation like this, making that change means hurting feeling like it's the kind of thing where they got to like break up for her to move on. And, it, that, that entanglement is so difficult that it's, yeah, I just don't know how she improves unless some life event makes a radical change in her training situation.
1: Yeah. So at the moment we've got Lad out here trying to play a rangy boxing game mm-hmm. for usually the first round of every fight she's in. And she has Bechcohea arms. Uh-huh. And so she mostly hits a lot of air. And her opponent gets to style on her for a round before she finds her way to her clinch and her wrestling game. And um, when she can get on top of people, when she can, you know, bully them to the mat and get on top, then she can be a dominant physical force. But whenever that doesn't happen, she gets stuck with this striking game that just has not really been built for her it never feels like yeah you know it's not been built to take advantage of what she does best and what she can do best and um i mean the thing the thing that makes this fight fascinating is that lad is tough as hell yeah like unquestionably really tough yeah and Sarah McMahon is not correct. Sarah McMahon is an amazing athlete and a great technical wrestler and absolutely willing to quit if things go against her.
2: Yeah. She's physically tougher than she thinks she is. I mean, it's not like yeah. she's out there yeah. getting just blown out of the water with like single strikes or anything, but she no. men- mentally crumbles.
1: Yeah. I mean, almost every fin, almost every loss she has is like, a moment where things were going really well, and then her opponent started out grappling her, and then it just seems like she just gave up. Yep. And uh <clears throat> that could happen with Lad. Yeah. Like, I don't know that Lad would submit her, but if you know, if they just have like, if Lad just goes out there and pushes a pace. And McMahon's doing all right for a while, and then Lad comes back out there and starts pushing the pace again. And McMahon gets a little hurt, or something happens where Lad just like ends up on top of her for a second. Mm-hmm. Lad could just start beating on her until she finishes the fight.
2: Yeah, she could sort of replicate what um, I mean. It, she's not honestly that different from like Misha Tate. Yeah, just in terms of t- toughness and staying power and continuing to try things. At a sort of steady pace that that has worked against McMahon before.
1: I'm going to pick McMahon still. I think mm-hmm. that she has been trying really hard lately to overcome all this mm-hmm. and to fight through it and to um, put on better performances. And that fight with Carol Hosa, yeah, yeah, that feels like a more dangerous version of the same
2: kind of matchup. That's a major win, too. I mean, there's yeah. no understating that. Carol Hose is a very good fighter.
1: Yeah. She's bigger. She's big and strong. She comes forward. She puts a lot of pressure out. She puts a lot more effective volume out than Aspen Ladd.
2: Mm-hmm. And way more, like, proactively well-rounded.
1: Yep. And McMahon just went out there and out-wrestled her in every round. Yep. So I'm going to pick her to do that again. But it's always a question with McMahon. It's like... Absolutely what can her opponent do to make this fight hard enough on her that she doesn't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I am have, I have more faith in where McMahon is at with her career right now, even though she's 41. Um, I just lad, it seems like she's out there at sea and I don't, I, you know, I can only assume that she's trying to, you know, that she is personally in her camps trying to fix things mm-hmm. and, going through some confidence, you know, s- s- some crop confidence crumbling and some trying uh, attempts to readjust. And that if she doesn't have the right answers in front of her. That might just get worse. You know, we've kind of seen that with, uh, Oh, uh, Cynthia Calvillo,
2: you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see it with lots of fighters. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Um,
1: Hell, we yeah just, ma- we've seen it with Tony Ferguson lately
2: for sure. Yeah. 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 and and making the dramatic changes to avoid that sort of just slow the kind of decline where you don't even realize you're declining cuz like again, Ladd is tough and she's physical and she's
1: young. There's no re- there's no reason for her to decline.
2: It's just- exactly. Yeah, and she can scrape out things and make things work even when the fight isn't going according to plan. And uh, that's a great way to not really recognize the necessity yeah. of, uh, of, of making a serious change. Yeah, I mean, you got to pick McMahon just because she's, I mean, at 41, she's still a great athlete. She's strong as hell and uh, a super powerful wrestler still. And yeah. Um, yeah, as much as she's lost fights where people have given her pushback, she she's won just as many of those fights just by getting to positions where she can just burn time. Uh huh. and um yep lad's gonna walk forward into takedowns (laughs) so ultimately i think and 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 especially tough for someone like lad too because often physicality is a major part of what lets her get back into fights yeah and uh she might have the physical edge of being tougher and more durable but she uh this is a rare occasion where she's probably not stronger than mcmahon Uh uh, than her opponent so i guess you could say zane it's sort of like Man versus boy, or in other words, oh god, man versus lad. Okay, you know what?
1: (laughs) I'm not doing this anymore.
2: This is is my last episode.
1: That's right. Goodbye,
2: folks. It It was fun, kind of. (sighs) All right, it was all
1: right. Ladd is the favorite. Opened at plus one fifty five, dropped to plus or to minus one thirty three. It's currently minus one thirty eight. Yeah. Um, uh, McMahon opened at minus one eighty, jumped up to plus one hundred eight, and it's currently at plus one fourteen. I mean, I gotta think it's just an age thing. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, McMahon just kind of went. I Carol Hosa feels like this same kind of fight. Mm-hmm. And we just saw McMahon win that. And
2: Carol Jose is better than Aspen
1: Ladd. Yeah, she might be. She hasn't she she hasn't gotten the wins to prove it yet. But then again, Lad's best win is Yana Konitskaya. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just. I haven't, I have yet to see Lad be able to do. I mean, has Lad, actually, this is worth looking at. Mm-hmm. Lad has never, she, she got one arm bar against Amanda Bobby Cooper in her second pro fight,
2: mm-hmm.
1: has otherwise never submitted anyone. And Sarah McMahon, other than getting, uh, that knee TKO to Ronda Rousey in 2014 has only ever lost inside the distance by submission. Mm-hmm. And her only other loss at all is a majority decision to Misha Tate. Yeah. So and I'm pretty sure that was a fight where she spent most of the fight on top i'm remembering
2: correctly i man. think as much as lad is it should be a live dog i mean somehow she's yeah, she, she should yeah but as much as that's the case this is has every appearance of a fight where she might get shut out for long periods yeah i don't expect her to make something happen from guard mcmahon mm-hmm. is more than happy to sit in someone's guard and as i said just burn the clock
1: yeah
2: we'll see that <laughs>
1: not fight. I'm, I'm a little surprised that lad is being fair i mean she's way younger so there's that but
2: yeah yeah uh, i'm surprised too
1: all right that brings us to a woman's strawweight bout loma boon me oh wait no that brings us to giles cosy the right, welterweight right, right. Fight. there we go giles Cosey now welterweight fight and uh yeah go after it
2: yeah this is like uh the side of welterweight that looks like middleweight kind of um, mm-hmm. These are this, these are the fights that remind you that welterweights are in the grand scheme of the divisions, the big boys. Yeah, because there's a lot of a lot of this fight seems um, likely to be decided by errors made <laughs> rather than good good decisions uh, taking effect. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's not an easy one to pick at all because <laughs> Trevor Chaos Giles is high. Absolutely. Trevon Giles is kind of like Chaos Incarnate because he's very potent. He he has a quite a great depth of skill, mm-hmm. but he has severe limitations. The one that we have talked about every single time we've ever discussed him is uh, he fights like a guy who has defense, but he doesn't.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he he fights... thinks he is the safest fighter in the world. Yeah. And then he constantly puts himself in positions where he's not prepared for anything that's going to that's about to happen to him. Yeah,
2: and he has a lot of the tools to make up for that. I mean, offense yeah. is a is uh, is a great certain kinds of offense are a great form of defense, mm-hmm. and certainly Giles has the jab, yeah. to to at times make it look like he is slick. Yeah. Uh, he's really quick. He, he uses his jab super well. He can double it. He can fire things off of it. He can move off of it. Um, he's a good wrestler, too. Good wrestler, super tough, but yeah. he, he he's not actually slick. He doesn't no. actually have any defense to back that up, and... Um, A guy like that needs to be like using the jab at all times, like constantly mm-hmm. sticking, constantly moving, interrupting every attempt the opponent makes to surge after him. You Got you to be Stephen Thompson out there. Yeah. No, oh, and Stephen Thompson's considerably slicker than German Giles on defense.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm saying like,
2: you know, but yes. that's also like. Peck, peck, peck. constant. Yeah. And he, he doesn't do it. He does it with the consistency of a guy who can afford not to. And he can't. Yeah. Um, he really can't because he's going to get hit super duper clean. The funny
1: thing is that he's like this on the ground, too. Like, yeah, with, absolutely. So he's a good wrestler and he'll get into positions and then he'll just hang out. Yeah, and he'll he just, just be like, loses, oh, Yeah,
2: I'll loses say, focus. He's he's just got consistent overconfidence. Yep, and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, Louis Cosi is like a pretty solid, well rounded dude for a round. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, He's a solid, well-rounded fighter for a round. He's uh, a perfectly competent striker. He, like, I guess he has better defense than Trevor Giles. For He'll like For a round. Yeah. He'll, like, block stuff and come back with counters. He can put together nice combinations. Mm-hmm. Um, moves relatively well. Not super deep, but, yeah, he also flags. And... Um, I don't know. I'm, I, this looks like a fight that's just going to be an absolute mess. It, it also could be, because the other thing is, like, some of Trevin Giles' fights, there's just no, like, replicable shape to them. Yeah. Uh, it, it's very difficult to predict what he's going to do, because he, he just goes in there like a guy who can afford to have absolutely any fight the opponent wants. Um, yeah. So I, think, I think it's
1: probably very likely that Luis Coasey will go out there and bust Trevin Giles up in the first round. Yeah, yeah. And
2: and Giles it, has to fight for his life, and that works.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's just a question, like, does he survive that first round up until yeah. that Michael Morales fight? He did. Yeah. But Coasey... He certainly did to he certainly did to Sasha Polotnikov what mm-hmm. Michael Morales did to Trevin Giles. Mm-hmm. He went out there and just blitzed him, put all kinds of hands on him, mm-hmm. had him in trouble, was working him over, and then Polotnikov survived and Kosi fell apart. Yeah. So it's it's kind of just a question of does Giles survive?
2: Right. And, and there's also, I will raise the possibility that, like, at some point we might see Kosi just calm down enough where he isn't a one-round fighter. Yeah. This isn't like a, um, who's the one-round extraordinaire uh, that we've talked about? guy who, like, submits people in the first round, and then it's just completely done. And actually... <sighs> Herbert Burns? It's not Herbert Burns. No, there's a guy who was, like, a major journeyman with, like, 28 fights. He came to the UFC but you oh. just know exactly what's going to happen if he doesn't win early. Oh, um, Minner, Derek Minner. Yes, Derek Minner. Yes, thank UFC. you. Yeah. Good pull. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, He's not Derek Minner. Like, yeah. we don't have an entire career of, no. of examples to believe that with certainty he's always going to be a guy who gasses. Trevor Giles can be a bit of a blank canvas. Like, mm-hmm. maybe this is the fight where 27-year-old Louis Cosey is like, I know what to do. I'm going to get a good lead, and he's just going to be a little calmer. It could happen. Mm-hmm. He's a good athlete. These guys learn fast. You never know. But I I mean, I, I'm going to pick Trevin. I guess I'll pick Trevin Giles. A desperate right. comeback.
1: I'll, I'll pick Luke Tosi. I'll pick okay. Tosi. I'll just say that at this point, with like this, a the way move for Giles is trash. Yeah. It just got to be said.
2: Yeah, he's not as fast. Probably not as You got to
1: know. This is, you know, all the fighters that listen to our show. I know there's a bunch of them.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Most of the roster.
1: Most of the roster. Devoted fans. Where else are they going to go for the insight about how how bad they are and how much we hate them? Um, (laughs) But middleweights, stay away from the welterweight division. Yeah. You're not welterweights. Don't do it. Yeah. You see guys like Robert Whittaker and you see guys like Darren Till going from welterweight and jumping up into your division. You're like, oh, look, anybody can cross, cross over and restart their career and do great things. That'll be me. No, there are
2: two sports in, <laughs> in the UFC. There's good MMA and there's big MMA.
1: Yeah, there's welterweight <laughs> down and there's middleweight up. And welterweights can achieve at middleweight because they're good. Because yeah. they have to learn all these different skills. They have to know how to wrestle. They have to know how to grapple. They have to know how to strike. Or if they don't know those things like Darren Till, then middleweight is perfect for them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like you know? I, I said before, welterweight's the first of the big divisions. If you're coming yeah. up, you're like, you know, looking from the bantamweights perspective, you're like, these guys are trash. <laughs> they're slow. They're, they're the, the, you know, like all these fighters are decided by one guy having like one distinct advantage. If you're coming from the other way, it's the first of the little divisions. That is just as true. And Giles is not, doesn't have the depth. He was Uh, a former middleweight. Yeah.
1: And he fights like a middleweight. His style worked at middleweight. Yeah. Being low output, having
2: a good jab. And his athleticism is a huge thing there because he's so fast. And he's just relatively a lot slower against Walters.
1: So I'm just going to pick
2: Kosey. Yeah, that's fair enough
1: just on that alone like the cozy looks like a pretty good wrestle boxer with like some skill everywhere who could who looks like a good athlete who could develop into something and be you know all right welterweight over the long run i'll pick him to a, a believe and achieve over trevin giles coming down from middleweight and trying to be like the big guy in the at 170
2: i i actually hope he doesn't just deck giles and beat him in the first round though Yeah, this would be a great opportunity for Kosey to demonstrate some sustainability. It's true. Uh, And if he doesn't have that, there's it. Yeah, Giles has every fight turns into a mess and he's won a lot of them.
1: Yep. Giles opened at 200. He's at minus 211. These lines have not been open too long, but Mm. uh, Kosey opened at plus 170, currently plus 172. This should be a dead even fight like. It's Trevin Giles. Mhm. There are I mean, he he's had some good wins on his on his career but they're like you know edging out a split decision to James Krause on a day's notice, barely beating him, barely having the ugliest fight possible with Roman Delizzy. Yeah, oh god. Beating John Jones' sparring partner.
2: Yeah.
1: You know. Like it's just it's never going to be a clean and easy fight for Giles no he doesn't
2: know how to he doesn't know how to make it that way
1: yeah all right that brings us to a woman's straw bout Loma Lukbunmi Denise Gomes and um, it feels like um, is, this, is this me talking about this mm-hmm. it's you. Yeah, it is This feels like a really uh, pretty bad disservice to Denise Gomes. Mm -hmm. It's like a very scrappy young strawweight learning to be like a reasonably fundamental striker and kind of pick up all the pieces and get a functioning MMA game together. But she doesn't really do anything other than kickbox. And uh, don't think. Yeah. At five foot two with a 63 inch reach. Not a Hulk out there. She's not a big physical presence And now she's gonna face somebody that just has a world more experience than she does in a fight that she's not likely to take anywhere else.
2: So
1: Mhm. look Boon Me by decision.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a clear ceiling for look boon me. Yeah. Um, but it, you know. It mostly, I think, has to do—not entirely, but it mostly has to do with size. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a major factor. She's 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 got some of the, the uh, the feel of a Sohi Ham, and then there's also you know other things where she's her her style's still very Muay Thai in a way that doesn't fully translate to the way MMA fighters fight the level of activity and aggression. Um. Yeah. And she can be a little too choosy and sort of expecting the opponent to allow her a pace that they have no reason to allow her. Yeah. But mostly at size. And uh, Gomez isn't big. Nope. And so, yeah, Luke Bunmi otherwise is an incredibly deep striker and not actually that bad a grappler when she's not tiny compared to her opponent. She's yeah competent. She's not super easy to take down. She's extremely good in the clinch.
1: Yeah, Gomes not being a great wrestler too probably means she's gonna get tripped a lot. And even Absolutely. if even if Luke Bunmi doesn't hold her down, she can just offset Gomes' balance and or yep. un you know unbalance her and and take away her her striking her confidence in her striking game by yeah getting her to the mat over
2: and over. She loves to do it, and frankly, I love to see it. Honestly, okay. like. Yeah. Muay Thai dumps are one of my favorite things to see in MMA. Excellent. Anytime one someone hits one, I'm like, Yes, that's the coolest <laughs> kind of takedown. That's way cooler than judo and everything else. Yeah. Uh, Luke Bimby's probably gonna hit several. And who of was first. it recently
1: that had all the foot sweep takedowns? And was just like, Oh, I'm not oh Nathaniel
2: Wood. Wood, yeah, he hit yeah. a bunch of them. He hit a bunch of outside trips, but also Jordan hit him with like a classic, like yeah. twist over the knee tie dump. There were some cool clinch takedowns in that fight.
1: Yeah, it was great though. I remember after the bout, Wood was just like, yeah. "I'm not gonna waste all that energy
2: shooting. It's still yeah. a down. It counts the just the same." I, I still think that uh, going forward, we are gonna continue to see. I think Fedor Emelianenko was right mm-hmm. that uh, there's a lot of a, a lot of good to be said about getting takedowns from the clinch where you don't sacrifice position at a certain level going for the shot can be like committing yourself to a submission. Yeah. It, it's, it's likely to backfire in a really bad way. If the opponent yeah. has a good sprawl and spins to your back, whatever uh, clinch takedowns are just safer. They're, they're more like jabs. They take less commitment, less energy.
1: Um, you just got to, fighters have to have the confidence to be able to get themselves up on one leg yeah to perform a trip and yeah. not get tripped
2: themselves you yeah know? but even then you know like yeah particularly tie dumps they don't require a lot of commitment they're relatively no. easy to recover from you're not stepping behind a leg or reaping and like entangling yourself yeah. it's you're not going to counter um me just like placing my instep beside your shin as i like, twist yeah with, with like an inside trip the way you can counter a lot of like judo reap throws yeah um it's it's all about the timing and just hitting these little moves at exactly the right moment. Yeah, I look forward to the dumps.
1: Does sound like
2: you? <laughs> I've had a lot of coffee. With
1: me open at minus one ninety, he's currently out at minus two fifty. These odds actually apparently have been open for a little while, but most books don't. Oh wait, no, that's. That was for Diana Belbita. Okay, there we are. Look when me, Gomes. She opened at minus 275 and is currently minus 239. Look when me, Gomes opened at plus 235. It's currently plus 192. Surprised to see a lot of people apparently uh,
2: putting a little cash on Denise Gomes out there. Yeah, I don't think it should be insanely wide, but...
1: No, look when me, she's not a finisher and she's not big enough. Like... Unfortunately, one of the big things for her is her, her almost all of her boxing leads to
2: fifty-fifty exchanges. Absolutely, yeah, she doesn't have the defense. Yeah, and so, she's 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 a lot of one and done, and yeah. she's got to get into range where she can get hit back for everything except the kicks. So
1: she really has to be able to overawe her opponent with her diversity and the with uncertainty about mm-hmm. what they're going to be facing when they step mm-hmm. in with her. And if they're not uncertain, if they're just willing to bite down, then they can, they can have a 50, 50 fight with her. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Trey Ogden, Daniel Zellhuber.
2: I think this is one of the ones we may have mentioned on the, on the, no, we actually at the top of this, this prelims episode. Uh, is this a great fight? No, no, Let's probably going to be pretty good to watch
1: oh yeah yeah it's i gonna, mean zell hooper gonna... is one of those dudes who a is incredibly violent and b has been um picked up a ton of bad habits
0: yeah
2: and a ton of bad habits
1: they are fatal flaws that are going to make all of his fights a thrill yeah. big jordan Wright energy out of yes yeah
2: although uh tougher
1: Tougher. Yeah. That that. that is going to save him for a while. Unfortunately, like the toughness might save him, but there's also the fact that he's a lightweight, like, man, if he were that tough and he had those flaws at light heavyweight. Oh yeah. Dude could be a title contender
2: for sure. Yeah. even at middleweight, he would be, you know, with this pretty narrow slice of things he likes to do, he would be a lot of guys that happens all the time in those big divisions, but yep. Um, he is going to be relying on his toughness until he figures out a way to not have to or his durability starts to go because yep. he's um, um, not quite like Giles, but in, in a little bit of that, he thinks he's really slick mm-hmm. and he does not have the finer points of footwork and defensive technique Um he, his positioning is not consistent enough. He's one of those guys. I mean, you saw it in his contender series fight. Not the only time it's happened where somebody just comes after him and he can't get away from them half as well as he thinks he can.
1: Yeah. And, yeah so he reminds me a lot of Jordan, Wright. Yes. Where you see Jordan Wright on his bike a lot. And then every time somebody pressures him, they still manage to just rush him.
2: Yeah. And it's just Skid like get her back, run into the fence or they have to plant and trade and, and, and they're They're getting hit even if they're landing. Yeah. Um, but Zell Huber's uh, uh, unlike right. Um, he's, he's tough enough to take that. And mm-hmm. if you bring that pressure to him, he is also going to give it back in kind. He's, yep. he is not at all above uh, taking his own opportunities to just run forward and punish an opponent on the reset. Or when they make a, a footwork mistake, he will run them backwards and stay right on top of them. And to his credit, also unlike right, he's not flinchy when those mistakes no. are being made. He's no. He remains incredibly calm in the pocket with his head just completely up in the air. He will just watch punches whiz yeah. past his nose. And, and if it had been closer, he didn't have a way to get out of the way. No. <laughs> it's not earned confidence, but there is confidence and poise. Yeah. Um, and then Trey Ogden, uh, he's going to put pressure on, but he's he he's a lot less dynamic.
1: Infinitely less.
2: Yeah. And um, a lot more just kind of swampy, clinch wrestling, Mm -hmm. uh, grinding style. He's absolutely going to get those opportunities because he's going to come forward and Zell Huber is going to let him. But, um, yeah, I think Zell Huber is probably strong enough and feisty enough to just continually fight out of bad positions. Yeah. And every time he does get one of those moments to come forward, Ogden is a lot more likely to actually fall apart. Yeah. I'm one of
1: me. the big things notable for Ogden really in his debut against Jordan leave it is that he doesn't throw anything straight. Yeah. He doesn't have a jab. He doesn't really have a range game Yeah, at all he has these big wide hooks. He'll try to throw or big wide kicks that he'll line er, that he'll wind up on. Mm-hmm. But like Jordan leave Just, he basically just slapped his upper knee mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again. It completely befuddled Ogden because every time he would inch forward to wind up on something, he'd just get kicked. Yeah. And there was no answer. There was like, no, oh, wait, what if I just, what if I just hit, what if I just hit Jordan leave it with a jab? What if I just threw a one, two and stepped in as he was kicking? Yeah. What would happen? And he could never get himself to push that button. And without that, yeah, like Zell Huber, you know, much like, right, the chin might be up. He might be on his, you know, he might be on his bike in a way that gets him into bad positions, but also like most of what he throws is just like straight down the pipe power. Yep. It is just heat coming straight at you. And if you don't have an answer for that, because I'm pretty sure too, that Zell Huber is uh, he's six foot one with a 77 inch reach.
2: Yeah, that's big.
1: That's a six inch reach advantage on Ogden.
2: This might be a fight where he does get to look pretty slick. Actually. Exactly. Like Ogden is just ponderous.
1: Mm-hmm. He's just going to be walk. He's going to be walking straight onto these power shots and then Zell Huber can skate away. And I don't think that Ogden will have any chance to get close enough to him to make something happen. So mm-hmm. I'd be willing to pick Zell Huber by KO here, frankly.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that sounds right.
1: Especially to Ogden, you know, he's, uh, has he been knocked out before?
2: I don't know. He's got five no.
1: losses. He's got five losses. The three decisions are three, three submissions and two decisions, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't get the feel. I don't think get the feeling that that makes means that he's, you know,
2: no tougher than hell. I just get the feeling. it's He's not, he's not fought a lot of great fighters. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. He does have a win over a guy with one of my uh, my new favorite MMA names, though, which is Brad Grelk. <laughs> 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 oh, That's a, yeah. The Grelkster. <laughs> the, the Grelkster. Let me find out what Brad Grelk's nickname is so I can be disappointed. Macaulay. McCauley. Mc McCauley Yeah, like Macaulay Culkin, except spelled like Lassie. I don't know. Um, I don't know.
1: I don't know. Either. I mean, I get it. You don't get to choose your own nickname, but he should have a hard conversation with the person who gave him that one.
2: Yeah. He should go into the uh, NFT business. He could be uh, with his brothers. They could be the Grelk boys. Oh God. <laughs> My favorite guys who keep showing up and I definitely know who they are and what they do.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> those,
2: those, oh. those young men. Are these the island boys or who are these guys again?
1: All right. um Who are we talking about?
2: <laughs> Ogden versus Zell. Yeah, Ogden, Ogden, Ogden. There we go. God. Control uh, F, Zane. Control F.
1: Yeah. uh Zell Hoover is a pretty big favorite here, opened at minus 240. He's currently down at minus 288. Ogden opened at plus 200. You're currently up at plus two twenty nine. Those odds yeah. just getting wider.
2: That's all right. You, yep. get, you get the it's going to be Ogden's going to be making the fight happen the whole time, but Zellhuber is just way more dangerous. And yeah,
1: he's going to be insulated by his size, by his technique,
2: athleticism.
1: There's, there's just not you know if if Jordan leave it without any power yeah. and really much in the way of a functional punching game at all. Yeah, can play the game that Daniel Zellhuber wants to play. Yeah, then you know that Ogden's in a tough place.
2: Yeah, what if that? But also getting blasted on the chin, you know, yeah. <laughs> like with <laughs> serious, powerful straight punches. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. That I think Zellhuber is probably going to knock Ogden out.
1: All right, that brings us to a woman's uh, flyweight bout: Maria Agapova, Jillian Robertson, <sighs> and um. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a, I like this booking. It's a good fight, and it's a very, it's a coin flip fight because it's two fighters that crumble for the exact opposite reasons.
2: Yeah, I I do like the matchup a lot. I think it looks very competitive, but I just got to say, the thought of Julian Robertson, who appears to be very likable, Mm -hmm. losing to an asshat like Agapova, which is (laughs) 50-50, it could very likely happen, is a little depressing yeah what can you
1: do I, yeah i don't know you know whatever I, I i i'm i'm going to enjoy i enjoy the ride of agapova's yeah, sure. career as long as it lasts as well i always am going to feel a little bit bad for robertson because
2: um she's just she's almost there in so many ways
1: yeah and she's fits so perfectly into what i'm talking about with well i mean i guess she's 27 so she's actually didn't didn't even start it's that her, her amateur career started so long ago. She started in 2013 with that. So, you know, she turned uh, to MMA when she was still in her teens mm-hmm. and she got a bunch of hype along the way for getting, cause she got to tough in 2017
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just kind of, you know, got in the right people's ear that she was young and good and all that. And she's been getting all of this pressure all along the way from like broadcasters and other people like that, like, oh, this woman's going to be a title contender. She's going to be a champion and all that. And it just feels like it's just gotten to her. Yeah. All along the way.
2: You can tell she's under pressure. It's been a, Yeah, a diligent but very rocky learning process.
1: Yeah, so I always feel for her a little bit. Um...
2: Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I'm still here for the Agapova, right? Especially if it means a few few fights that I honestly uh, just for the drama and and satisfaction enjoyed more than watching Moroz beat her ass. (laughs) If it means I get a couple moments like that, I suppose it's kind of worth it. Yeah, Uh, but yeah. Uh, anyway, go on. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So, I mean, what we have here is we have like we have Maria Agapova, you know, she's going to start super fast mm-hmm. house on fire, mm-hmm. blitzing out of the gate, throwing with power and fluidity and dynamic, like distance closing ability that, you know, you watch her for 30 seconds at a time. And you're like, this woman could be a title contender. This, You know, we even just like that whole fight she had against Sabina Mazzo was just like, hell, if she can do this, she can compete with a lot of people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She has the ability. She's just also insane. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't really, even if she knows technically where she, sh- she should keep the fight and how she should keep the fight. If things get start to get a little weird, if they start to, if she starts to have a little success or a little failure, just a little Mm -hmm. too much of one or the other, Mm -hmm. she will spin out of control.
2: She's temperamental. Yeah. As a person and as a fighter.
1: Yeah. And uh, for Robertson, it's really only the one thing Robertson is, A, she's not. She's not going to come out and start like a big house on fire. She tends to want to kind of feel her way into the fight a little. Mm-hmm. She's got a little bit of that Aspen Lad thing of like, I'm going to come out here and I'm going to test out this boxing I've been working on for three or four minutes. And you're just like, Oh, God, don't. Don't stop.
2: Yeah. Wrestle, wrestle, wrestle.
1: Yeah. She's not, you know, she's not the quickest starter in the in, but when she gets a little momentum and yeah. when she has a little success, it goes really well for her.
2: Yeah, she, you know. she's yeah she she's really violent when she starts out grappling people. Yeah, she's nasty on the ground uh, yeah. in top position, not just the submissions, but her horrible ground and pound. There's definitely a chance that if she survives, and gets to good positions, could look a lot like Agapova's loss to Moroz. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's you know? also just as likely she just gets blown up on the feet in like the first four minutes. Yeah, because when
1: things start going bad for Robertson, yeah, they she, just like Agapova, yeah, she crumbles.
2: Yeah, she'll go in there and have a fight where you're like on edge, not sure if she's going to win with Cachoeira. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I kind of lean towards Agapova, unfortunately, just because she's going to get plenty of time to settle in and get into her groove. Yeah. And what we saw in that Mazo fight is that um, she's just exceptionally dangerous and pretty well-schooled when she's in that mode. And Marina Moroz had an extremely single-minded approach to keeping Agapova out of that kind of fight. Yeah.
1: Moroz is a, is a real... She is... Incredibly um an incredibly mentally tough pro. Absolutely. Like you watch any fight of hers and you just be like, okay, I can see exactly what you're doing and exactly what your plan is, and you're perfectly prepared to meet this person where you think you can have the best fight.
2: Iron Lady is a fitting nickname for Marina Brothers. Yeah. She's 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 really solid and stolid and and a detriment to the working class. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> There is no society, Marina Morose. Yeah, um, <laughs> Marina Maggie Morose, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Um, yeah, and Morose had her own like weird yeah. little um, learning curve moments in her career. She get she's passed it. Yeah, she's she's just turned into a really she she looks like a veteran, and Robertson has the experience to be a veteran numbers wise but she doesn't fight like a veteran not yet
1: she still seems like she's really trying to figure her string i think i'm gonna take i'm gonna take robertson on the
2: ah, wait no am i i'd love to see it i mean my feelings want me to pick Okay, robertson, no but...
1: i'm i'm gonna go with you i was ready to take robertson and just be like you know what i'm just i can see her getting her moment and having this win but I think it's a lot easier for me to see Agapova just going out there and like,
2: it's just going to shake Robertson up really bad.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where she can get she can get Robertson unconfident. Yeah, and Robertson is a, she has some decent shot wrestling, but it's not she married is. to a lot of athleticism. Yeah, and I think Moroz can punish that early.
2: Yeah, and she's also another of these fighters who's who's actually, like, very tough. But yeah. she's tough in a, I have to survive. I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get finished kind of way. Like, yeah. she's yet to leverage that into the kind of aggression. And and you're right. Like, there's there's not enough setups to the shots there. She's actually a really solid wrestler. but
1: She is. But the, it, she also has a problem of, there are often times where she will drive in on a takedown and she'll hit the hips. Yeah. And then she will... She she can't carry her the force through to turn the corner.
2: Yeah. And I think part of it, too, is the lack of transition that like, yeah, you're shooting from just slightly the wrong range yeah. or slightly the wrong time. You need more physicality than Robertson has to make up for that. And yeah, uh, she is often shooting at the wrong time. So she'll have to shoot a bunch of times. Agapova is very strong and athletic. Yeah. And yeah, I just think she's going to put a scare into Robertson quickly.
1: Yep, I think you're right. I'll stick with Agapova. Don't want to, but I will. And I, like I say, I like watching the Agap- Agapova. You know, like removed from her personality way, she's a ton of fun to watch. In the- oh yeah, no denying that. Uh, Agapova opened at minus one thirty, currently up at plus one twenty three. Robertson opened at plus one ten, currently down at minus one forty nine. Uh, yeah, I would not. Um... I would not uh, skew those odds that way. I would put them dead. Even I would not, I would seeing Robertson being bumped as a bigger and bigger favorite only makes me nervous.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like there are too many struggles for both of these women out there. Mm-hmm. And too many of them are mental too. Like, yep. These are women who are both prone. If this fight gets tough to crumbling and there's not a version of this fight that won't be tough. No. You know? Or if there is, it's probably coming from
2: Agapova. Exactly. It just feels like Agapova's going to be the first one testing. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us to
1: a bantamweight bout. Tony Gravely, Javid Basharat,
2: and... um, Solid booking, in my opinion. Solid, Solid booking, good fight. Yeah, um, you know, like I, I got to give some credit to uh, to Basharat. We yeah, we called him a silly Conor McGregor clone, and he is.
1: He is. He we you could see all the mistakes were there in that Trevin Jones fight. He got hit hard on the counter many many times.
2: Yeah, he got pushed back, and his defense was not there for him. Yeah, but he showed some grit and some resourcefulness. Yeah, some ability to adapt and mix up his combinations and. Uh, yeah, like that confidence didn't falter once nope. things started to go wrong. Trevor Jones nope. wasn't able to put out nearly enough volume or pressure to actually make Boschrat uncomfortable, even when he was getting hit super clean. Yep. Uh, and meanwhile he was putting out a much higher pace, and yeah, just keeping it on Jones. I mean, it, if you're going to be a Conor McGregor clone, you could do worse at imitating the man's confidence than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's you know it's it's kind of merited that that's uh, taking that the
1: good habits and the bad.
2: Yes. Yeah. But it's, it's a bad yeah.
1: habits and the good rather.
2: Right. Yeah. Having the good habits is uh, you could do a lot worse. Yeah. Um, and I really don't know how that matches up with Tony Gravely because he's he's been in a learning process in his recent fights. Like Gravely likes knocking people out now. Yeah. I mean, um, and he's not bad at it because, like, he's he's dynamic. He's a good athlete. He's yeah. fast. He's got power in his hands um you know and i mean he,
1: th- there are very few r- pure wrestle boxers as pure wrestle boxery as right. tony grafly at this point in mma
2: yeah he's he's kind of our new like dennis Bermudez. like
1: yeah
2: he's he's an aggressive guy who is going to just try to try to um confront you with yeah, that that double threat basically. Yeah,
1: you there. It is an overhand and a double leg, and you better guess it right. Yeah, you know, sometimes is
2: an uppercut. Hey, yeah, sometimes an uppercut. Yeah, he's got he's got some ideas. He's got a couple variations on that classic switch up. And that classic switch up is going to work forever. It's MMA.
1: Yeah, it is <laughs> a. There's a reason it is it is like the fundamental MMA game. Yeah, to there's gonna
2: after. there's gonna be no point in MMA's future where. Uh, faking the takedown and decking a dude is not going to work a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and it's it's going to work some against Basharat. Mm-hmm. But Basharat is also, I mean, it's actually the pure wrestling threat that I am i don't really know how Basharat yeah. handles. Uh, because, and that that's some of the problem for Gravely because in some of his recent fights, he's taken way too long to actually just use his wrestling as wrestling. Mm-hmm. He's, he's fallen in love with that switch up and he wants to knock people out. And to his credit, like he, he has also shown more like toughness and ability to survive and get back into open space when he ends up in trouble. He, he is, if not gaining a lot of skill as a striker, he's definitely um, showing the signs of a lot of valuable experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But there's not a lot of depth to his striking.
1: No, at is, all. It is. It, it is tough to deal with his game, but if you can deal, you're going to see the same game over and over again. Exactly. Like, yeah. That Simon Oliveira fight he had yeah. was the same single exchange for 15 minutes.
2: Yeah. And really what lost it for Oliveira was his crippling addiction to guillotines. Exactly. More than anything else was just yeah. terrible uh, strategic decision making. Mm-hmm um and otherwise yeah Gravelly w- w- was was very close to a 50-50 fight where when they were on the feed and hey some of those ketones also kind of worked <laughs> they they came close to working yeah you can almost almost forgive oliveira for still going for it like with 30 seconds left in the fight that he was losing mm-hmm. um so yeah it's uh, you know but it is that was a fight to be fair to Gravely, where he took the cue and wrestled the hell out of oliveira yeah it was a constant threat and that mixed with the striking, like when, when these things are working together and he's being aggressive, um, it's a lot to deal with and this, the striking can set up the wrestling just as well as the other way around. I don't have a lot of not a lot of film on, on Basharat really having to deal with that quality of wrestling or um that quality of wrestling backed up with the kind of physicality that Gravelly has.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh
2: so i just don't really know um i think this kind of hinges on gravely making the right strategic decisions cuz yeah. if he wants to keep striking boschart has more than proven that um he can fight moving forwards and backwards he can put combinations together he can absolutely take hard clean shots when he needs to and um and could have the kind of confidence and aggression that we have seen kind of crumble gravely in the past yeah um, I think I will pick Gravely to to lean on his wrestling. I, I mean, I think if nothing else, uh is a pretty tough dude. Yeah, uh, he, he's shown great survivability. Yeah, I mean, I know he has been KO'd before, but it's not a thing that happens often. Yeah, and I think whether he wants to or not, Basharat is going to put him in a position where he does have to wrestle. And, uh, I, I think he's, he's pretty damn good at it. Good, good control wrestler, multi-layered takedown threat from the clinch, turning the, you know, converting the shot into other kinds of takedowns other than just a double leg. I'm, I just haven't seen Basherat deal with it. So I'm just going to take a flyer on, um, assuming that, um, he doesn't quite know how, but uh, it's not a lot to go on.
1: Yeah. I'm going to stick with Basherat here. I think that, uh, Gravely, like it might, it might be a tough first round. Yeah, but I think he can. I think Boshrock can, especially like, given his size advantage yeah. here, solid four inches of height and uh, well, no reach, but solid four inches of height on gravelly. Mm-hmm. I think he can make this. I, I think he, he can get gravely into a pretty predictable rhythm mm-hmm. where a little slowdown from gravelly as the fight goes on because even in that Simon Oliveira fight like yeah. that taxed him oh yeah The fight that way
2: yeah again it was like the the avenue into wrestling and having that wrestler's cardio gets yeah. into his comfort zone and then he's not going to get too tired to keep winning but yeah it, it really hinges on if if a gravelly goes for it enough and leans on his wrestling and b whether basharat is is able to uh to defend and escape when he needs i think to
1: he'll be able to defend and escape well enough to drag this fight to a point where the takedowns just don't come very easily yeah and once they don't come very easily then i think basharat's his his confidence and his creativity and uh his hard-headedness will really see him through so
2: mm-hmm.
1: i'll take basharat to get the ko All right. Uh, odds on that bout. Boshrod is the favorite. Opened at minus 110. Dropped to minus 170. Currently minus 166. Gravely opened at minus 110. Jumped up to plus 145. Currently plus 136. I'm not surprised by that. At 12 and 0, Boshrod's the hot hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not surprised. Bettors are on his side or the books are on his side. All right. That brings us to our final fight. Nicholas Mata, Cameron Van Camp, And um, this is really just kind of a fight that I hope Nicholas Mata wins. Mm -hmm. I've liked Nicholas Mata for a long time. I like his game. I like his style of fighting. Um, You know, he really likes to sit down in the pocket and throw with power and uh, likes to, you know, try to be a tricky counter puncher, likes to you know, make a fight of scrap and be technical within that scrap, which is always
2: yeah. shades of shades of Douglas to Silva.
1: Yeah. Um, thing for Mata is that, uh, he having that kind of fight puts him in a lot of danger and he's not the toughest guy on the world. And I think probably the biggest thing that really stood out to me against, um, Jim Miller last time around is I think Mata gets pretty mono focused on his counter punch Mm -hmm. on his counter punching. Like he really gets dialed. He's sitting there flat footed, waiting for his opponent to come in at him. And he is dialed in on what punch is going to land that I can react to.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It probably, I mean, honestly, that kind of counter striking, I'm sure it, it. You know, if you don't necessarily have like the perfect hair trigger uh, reflexes for it, it it's got to take a ton of concentration. Yeah, because you have to be able to see the right thing at the right time and land immediately. Absolutely. You can't just go out there and be like, oh well, I've just got some pre trained, uh, you know, setups. I'm gonna fire off and see what happens, you've got to be able to be like, oh, the guy threw a left, I, I need to react with my my right hand, right back at it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what Jim Miller, did, like, the, the product of that, the thing that tipped me off to this is that Jim Miller would come in with a one-two and a low kick, and every single one of those low kicks shocked Mata.
2: Mm-hmm
1: just would like visibly jolt him because he had his legs planted. So he's not there to like pick a leg up and shrug, you know, try to check it and shrug it off. And I think he just didn't see it coming at all.
2: He's mm-hmm. just
1: every time he's so focused on the punches and what he can counter that every low kick just threw him off his game entirely. Yeah. Made it a really rough fight for Mata. And unfortunately, it's a pretty replicable fight for other people to have. Yeah, it is. You know, it's not throwing a one, two and a low kick isn't exactly the master class in like <laughs> high level MMA striking. That said,
2: Cameron Van Camp doesn't do it. No, I mean, Cameron Van Camp got destroyed by Andre Fialho with exactly the kind of punch Nicholas Mata will be spending the entire fight looking for.
1: Yeah. It was up a division. Camp Van yeah. Camp is he's a big boy at, at lightweight. He's six foot two, with yeah. a seventy-four inch reach compared to five foot nine Nicholas Mata.
2: But he was also bigger than Fialio. Like he is, yeah. He's like a Pat Healy sized dude for his division, and uh, but he's kind of Pat Healy slow and cumbersome too. Like, yeah. And he can't refuse a brawl. That's the big thing. He he was out there against Fialho. He knew he had
1: to be crafty. He knew he had to mind his P's and Q's. He was trying to be light on his feet, throw a one-two, duck in, like pop, stick and move off the jab, that kind of thing. But we're talking about this with Agapova as well. Van Camp is the kind of fighter, it's not just his opponent's success that gives him problems. It's Mm -hmm. his own success.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: He landed a one-two on Fialho that stung him a little, and suddenly he is head up, arms out, marching him down with wild hooks.
2: Yep. And, and it just was, he, and it was a really ugly uppercut that he got countered yeah. on, like just stepping in. Like yeah. if you're a counterpuncher, you, you, he's coming forward. You can you can just he's not quick enough or skilled enough where you can't just see exactly what the throwaways are. Yeah. And when he's loading up for the one, he actually intends to land. Yeah. And when he's precisely in range to do that. And yeah, I mean, he literally had his hand like at his waist. Yeah. um, And squared up with Fialio in perfect position, just cracked him with a single shot and it yeah. slept him.
1: So I'm going to take Mata. I Same. think it's a good, I think it's a good matchup for Mata. I think it's exactly the right kind of fight that he's able to win. And that shows off the best of his ability. Yep. But Van Camp, like, Mata it puts himself in position to get cracked. Even having his best fight, he puts himself in position to get cracked. So, Van, Kramp, Van Camp's going to have, you know, he, he's going to have a chance to make this fight his own in there. It's just, even when he has success, he's more likely to push himself into a position where he might then turn that into failure. Mm-hmm. So... I'm Mata, worried, though. I want Mata to succeed. I,
2: yeah, I'm with you, and I'm Mata's worried. I mean, yeah, his, Van Camp can bully, but he's he's really, really ponderous and slow and predictable. Yeah, and,
1: Mata's he's, he's one of those kids that I, I scouted eight years ago. Right, right, right. You know, and I've been watching his career ever since, and I keep, I, I was hoping, you know, eight years ago, I was just like, man, if this kid can really snap all these pieces together, he could be something special. Yeah, and now we're eight years lo- on, and it's kind of like, okay, well, he's a fun action fighter. Yeah. But I'd love to see him actually step it up to be a at least a good mid-level UFC action fighter who can have a long career at this level. Mm-hmm. And not just a guy who's going to go out and scrap and get slept having a brawl.
2: Yeah, well, uh, it's unclear whether this should soothe you or trouble you, but uh, I'm pretty confident in him for this yeah,
1: one. Yeah, that doesn't help.
2: <laughs> you, know, you were out there on Twitter boasting
1: about your pick ratio against That's me right. Just because you say it with conviction don't mean shit to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh, <yeah. clears throat> Mata, you know, land that left hook Fiala landed. He can do that.
1: Yeah. All right. uh Odds on the bout. Nicholas Mata is a sizable favorite here. Opened at minus 230, dropped down to minus 241. Is currently at minus 217. Van Camp opened at plus 195 and is currently at plus 177. Yeah, that's fine. Mata a favorite. Shouldn't be a huge favorite. Uh, Van Camp and a a dog. But uh, he's huge. And he's aggressive. And I'm sure he'll get to land a couple of big shots in this fight. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, on that note, we're gonna wrap things up. You can find me on Twitter at These ain't Simon. You can find Connor on Twitter at Boxing Bush. You can find both of us over at Give us a like, subscribe to our podcast. Bloodyo presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. And uh, we will see y'all next week for oh man, what's the next card? What not having it on Wiki really uh, bugs me for is that I can't just switch straight to the next one. Dern, UFC fight night, Dern versus Yawn.
0: Thank you for listening to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify. Tune in, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents, and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivisection, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Brooklyn's Corner, exclusive fighter interviews, Show Money, guest podcasts and radio-style play-by-play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com Elbow Blog, and on bloodyelbow.com.